I'm so thankful to be your pastor, and right now I'm very limited in what I can do for you. But remember one thing, God is not limited, and He can do anything and everything you need Him to do. If you have needs, you're one of His children, and I think that you know how to talk to Him and to ask Him. And remember, miracles can happen. And still do happen in this generation. This restriction that we're living under right now is not forever. It's not the rest of our lives. Some of you have been in jail before and you know how it feels. I, I, I tell you, I'm glad I never had to spend time in jail. I'm glad I'm, I didn't have to spend months or years. And, and I don't know how you feel, but I'm, I'm starting to feel a little claustrophobic. I'm starting to feel like getting out a little bit, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it to a minimum, and I hope you are. Use your time wisely. Get lots of rest, eat lots of food, gain lots of weight. And when it's all over, we won't have anything but a bunch of plump Pentecostals. But you know, it'll be fun getting plump. So just go ahead and get plump. Have a good time and enjoy yourself. I want to turn your attention to the Word of God tonight, to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14 through 17, the King James Version. This is what I felt uh, for tonight. And it reads from verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Everybody say that with me. I am a child of God. Say it one more time like you mean it. I am a child of God. And if children, he says, if you really are a child, if you're one of his children, then you're also an heir. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. I want to talk to you this evening on this subject, just simply, children of God. I am so thankful that I'm one of God's children. Anybody feel that way? Why don't you just give him a good old hand clap of praise wherever you are in your homes tonight. I'm going to adjust these speakers for me. <clears throat> and thank you, Brother Cruz. I appreciate it. Well, some of you are sitting home, and and I'm sure you're a little bit anxious. I'm, I'm sure some of you are feeling kind of tired um, in your bodies, and your mind, because you're just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, you do get weary. You do get tired, and just get outside your house, walk around, look up at the sky, 
and enjoy the trees and the grass and man just 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 get something and dig up a worm and look at it just just enjoy life look at the birds and and uh, look at your family and look at how we're blessed have you ever heard this statement before we are all God's children I've heard that. I see you shaking your heads that you've heard that statement. And it really sounds good. It seems right to say that. It feels good. But there's not much biblical truth in making that statement. Across this nation, there is widely held view that Everyone is in the family of God. People will get irate if you suggest otherwise. If we were to follow this line of thinking, we would be required to conclude that if this is true, that everybody's God's child and everybody's in the kingdom of God, we would have to include men like Hitler and Stalin, Bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, Mr. Ted Brundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and Tim McVeigh as being children of God. Each one of these men and others could have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and could have become one of his children if they would come to God's terms and obey his word. We truly are all God's creation, but we are not necessarily God's children. John 1 and 12 says, But as many as received him, Notice that word received. They had to desire to love God and to follow Him and to serve Him. And to them, He gave them power to become sons of God. Even to them, and notice another, another requirement here, to them that believed on his name. There exist only two ways to become a part of anyone's family. You can be born into a family or adopted into the family. Some people argue that we're born into God's world so we automatically become his children. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, you might think about being born again if you want to get in the kingdom of God. Is that what he said? Jesus said you must be born again of water and spirit to enter the kingdom of God. By the way, when we are born again, into the family of God, we are also immediately adopted by God. This is important because a birth child 
is in the bloodline and he has particular rights. However, an adopted child has an entirely different set of rights. So when you're born again and you are also adopted into the family, you have the best of both worlds. You have the born rights, the bloodline rights, and you have the adopted child rights. You get more connected when you are born into the kingdom of God than you are with your literal family when you're born into the family. And we need to make sure tonight that we truly are children of God. Some children playing at school one day began to tease an adopted child. And that's so cruel. I don't know why kids do that. One of them said, you don't have real parents. Another said, you don't know who your parents are. But the adopted child simply looked at them and stated, your parents had you, but my parents chose me. I'm here to tell you tonight, God didn't just have you when you were born of water and spirit, but he chose you. You are chosen, you are handpicked, and you are truly loved by God our Father. On January the 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed Emancipation Proclamation. Do you remember who it was that became emancipated? It wasn't me, it was the slaves. Now, those who have been brought to this country and they were sold as a piece of property, they were now free. Remarkably, some of these did not leave their masters and the plantations, but they decided to sign on and to stay as slaves on the plantation. In fact, many People made fun of those that stayed on. Why are you staying? They were free. By the law, they were no longer slaves. Yet, many of them chose to continue to live as a slave. When we are part of God's family, we are set free. We are set free from the law of sin and death. We are set free from the power and the penalty of sin. And we look forward to the day that we're actually set free from the presence of sin. If we are indeed free and we are God's children, why would anybody want to live like they're in slavery? Today I find that almost everyone thinks they're a child of God. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist or Islamic, New Age or Christian. None of these above or none of these, almost everybody seems to believe that they are a child of God. If you were made of God's family, God wants a family 
and he created you to be part of it. And God is building a family who will love him and honor him and reign with him. What was it that Jesus said we should do? We all know that verse of scripture that tells us we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Family speaks to us of relationship. All about God is relational. He is not a statue sitting somewhere that we're to bow down and worship. So what do you and I gain by being in God's family? What do we gain by being one of his children? I would say to you today, it's way more than we can even imagine. The benefits that we get from living for God outweigh everything that the, that the world claims you're giving up when you start living for God. I truly want to say I'm thankful I'm in the church, and especially during these trying times uh, when we're restricted in our movements and activities and, and everything that we do because of this virus, I want to say thank you, God, that I'm one of your children because my Father is watching over me. You say, well, what if something happens? My dad's still watching over me. <clears throat> Do you remember when uh, your children were born? Those of you that have children and my crowd here, the only one's Brother Gary in the back. The rest of them are all young, and they just just never, not even married except one. She didn't have any children. Uh, and so I'm not going to get much cooperation from these guys tonight. But do you remember all the gifts of you that know about children, know that your parents had kids or your brothers and sisters or your uncles and aunts? Do you remember all the gifts that came to your child or your family at that time? When they were born, people have showers. They shower them with blessings and gifts. Well, the same thing happens to us the day of our spiritual birth. God begins to shower us with blessings. We come out of darkness into this marvelous light. He gives us the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit, and things begin to happen immediately in our lives. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for those blessings that come when God took me as one of his children. I'll never forget the joy that I feel when I get in the presence of God. And I'm feeling him right now. Praise God. The same thing happens to you the day of your spiritual birth. We were given, uh, we were given some incredible birthday gifts, including the family name, the family likeness, family privileges, family intimate access, and the family inheritance. God declares that everything now belongs to me and you. Can you comprehend what I'm saying tonight? As God's children, we get to share in the family fortune. 
You are far richer than you can imagine tonight because God has prepared for us a place that's going to be enjoyable. One of these days when it happens, it's going to be a whole lot more enjoyable than we're enjoying right now. Several years ago, Christian Life and Faith magazine presented some unusual facts about two different families. In night or in 1677 was the first family that they did the research on. And in 1677, a man married a woman and 1900 descendants began by that union. Out of these 1900s descendants that came from that marriage in 16 or yeah 1677 of those 1900 descendants 771 were criminals 250 were arrested for various offenses 60 of those descendants were thieves 39 were convicted for murder. 40 of the women were known to have venereal disease. These people spent a combined total of 1,300 years behind bars and cost the state of New York over $3 million. The other family that was studied was a family called the Edwards family. The third generation of this family included Jonathan Edwards, who was the great New England revival preacher who became president of Princeton University. Of their 1,344 descendants, many of them were college presidents and professors. 186 became ministers of the gospel, and many others were active in church work. 86 of them were senators. Three were congressmen. 30 of those descendants were judges, and one of them became vice president of the United States. No reference was made of anyone in this group spending any time in jail. So it does make a difference how we are raised. It does make a difference how we consider our lives. Not all children of good parents become useful citizens. And nor do all the offspring of wicked people turn out bad. But parental example is extremely important and powerful, either for good or for evil. It is important how we consider ourselves and how we train our children and how we recognize what God needs to do in our lives. It is so important that we give our children the right example to follow. 
We teach them the right things in life so they can be, uh, have a better chance of having a, a right life so that they will, it will send them to the right place to live in eternity. The Apostle Paul saw a parallel in the Christian life because we are children of a heavenly Father, so we are to reflect His character. Have you ever wondered who the real children of God are? You ever thought about what is it really like to be a child of God? I will say this, that people are watching us. A lot of times they don't understand when we act like this lady I'm about to tell you about. This is a parable of a man that was being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy highway. Suddenly the light turned yellow in front of him, so he stopped. Even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating, through the intersection, he stopped. And the tailgating woman was so furious, she began honking her horn, screaming in frustration as she had missed her chance to get through that intersection. As she was still ranting, she heard a tap on her window and looked up into the face of a very serious-looking police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a cell. After a couple of hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door, and she was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer officer was waiting with her personal effects he said ma'am I'm I'm very sorry for this mistake you see I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn shaking your fist at the guy in front of you and cursing a blue streak at him and I looked down and I noticed your what would Jesus do bumper sticker, choose life license plate holder, follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker, and the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. When I saw all of that, ma'am, I just assumed you had stolen that car. You know, sometimes we claim to be Christian. We claim to be children of God. We claim to have the fruit. But the way we live and the way we act and the way we say things to people lets them have doubt that we really are a child of God. Does being a Christian mean you're a child of God? Would you like to know for sure if you're a child of God? Tonight I want to challenge you to examine yourself by God's Word to see if you really are a child of God. 
In Romans 8, 9 through 17, the Apostle Paul addresses this issue of being a child of God. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter we know as Romans to a group of gentle Christians living in Rome. Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire, but it was also the center for pagan worship. In the midst of all the religious activity going on around them, Paul wanted the Christians to have concrete ways to be certain that they were truly Christians and children of God. He presented a great biblical truth in Romans, which he also declared in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He said, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul was letting them understand it's just not because you said I'm a Christian that I'm a Christian. It's not because I say I'm spiritual that I'm spiritual. This statement contradicts the popular belief that simply claiming to build a child of God is enough. Paul tells us plainly that a real child of God is led by the Spirit and that a real child of God is confirmed by the Spirit of God. Paul makes the point in verses 9 through 11 that if you are a child of God, then the Spirit of Christ must be in you. He said, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So that tells me if you're not filled with God's Spirit, if you have not been born again, he simply says you're not his. This is the big dividing line. Those who do not have the Spirit of Christ with them, in them are on one side of the line. And God said that these people are not his. They don't belong to him. He's not their father. On the other side of this dividing line, we have those people that have the Spirit of Christ, and he says that they're his children. It's important that we know where we are with God. It's important that we know for a fact that we are one of his children. William Shakespeare wrote, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. Have you ever felt like you were on a stage of life performing for an audience all around you? I kind of feel that way tonight. I just kind of feel like I'm performing. I do have six members sitting here, and that feels kind of good, but a lot of our preachers are preaching to nobody. They're just standing up and recording themselves and preaching to nobody except the people that are listening in. Well, I'm, I'm thankful that you guys listen in tonight. And I'm sure they're probably, by now, words got out and there's probably thousands listening to me. And God bless you. Thank you for that. But I do know for a fact you're not paying tithes. Not thousands of you. But these wonderful people are sitting here. 
You feel the pressure and the pull of performing on the stage of life. What do my co-workers think of me at work and my work performance? What do my classmates think of my academic skills? What does my church think about my Christian walk? We become addicted to approval. We live from day to day allowing our emotions to swing based on what other people think about us. We spend our lives foolishly trying to please the crowd and live for the approval of men and women. Henry Swoop once made this statement. He said, I can, cannot give you the formula for success. And then he says, but I can give you the formula for failure, which is try to please everybody. Instead of living in bondage, craving the approval of everyone around us, the Bible calls us to live for the approval of one, and that is God. The Apostle Paul said, I'm trying to live for the approval of men or God. He asked that question. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul realized that it is impossible to fully please men and try to please God at the same time. So I noticed some things in study that about God's children. Number one, God's children are connected to God. How are we connected to John to God? John mentions the fact that God's children are connected by birth. He said in chapter 1, verse 12, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You cannot Enter the family of God by intelligence, education, good deeds, or any other method. You enter the family of God by a new birth. The second thing I noticed that we are connected by God's love. The love of God comes from another world. <clears throat> It seems foreign to the human race. And this love has been lavished on us, poured out on us, and shown by the fact that God allows us to be called His children. <clears throat> In 1 John 3 and 1, the NIV version, it says, See what great love the Father hath lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know Him. The third thing is we're connected by our dependency on God. 
The longer I live, the more I realize how totally dependent I am upon God. I am dependent on Him for my salvation. I'm dependent upon Him for my substance. I'm dependent upon Him for my strength and my health. I'm dependent upon God for my growth. I, I, I find a word used often in 1 John. It is the word abide, which means to remain. The word abide could be translated to dwell, to continue, to remain, or to stay. And if we remain in God, we will be safe and we can continue to be his children if we're faithful to him. God's children, number four, have God's character. Have you ever noticed that children tend to reflect the character and the mannerisms of their parents? I, I get so amazed. We had had our kids home. Every one of them were here. And our grandkids and children were at our home a few weeks ago before we got restricted. And they had to leave. And now they're in their own prisons. But uh, I, uh, I was just so amazed at the mannerisms. My girls are acting just like their mama. And uh, it's a shame that they don't act more like their daddy. But seems like they've taken on more of their mother's characteristics and seems like you know they're blessed because of it i'm sure but i watch my little grandkids and i watch ashton as he uh he sings and everything i i said boy it's just like his daddy and then he throws his fits and throws things and kicks and bumps and falls on the floor and and you know, i said yep he's acting just like his mama and I hope she's listening in tonight. Maybe not because she didn't go to this church, but I'm sure it'll get back to her. Have you ever noticed that your children act like the parents? That is a central teaching of 1 John. When God is your father, you will reflect his character. One of the things the devil likes to discourage believers with he deceives them into thinking that being a Christian or a child of God means losing way more than you're gaining. But we ought to rejoice tonight in the Lord, for we are very rich in Christ. We are gaining way more than we had to give up when we started living for God. I'm telling you, I have no regrets about living for God. I have no regrets about being one of God's children. I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. I'm, I'm just thankful that I am a child of God. We have kids come to our churches today who come from homes where the Bible and godliness are not taken seriously because of parents who never bring their kids to church. Parents who never pray with their kids. Parents who have never taught the Bible to their children. Parents who never love Jesus and his church in front of their kids. Parents who never put God first in their lives. What are we going to leave our children? What will they inherit? 
Many kids inherit dirty and evil vices from their parents. Many kids inherit selfish habits from their parents. Many kids inherit materialistic outlook from their parents. Many kids inherit poor testimonies from their parents. Many kids inherit God's curse from their parents. But you can change all of that by making sure that you put the right thing in your lives and in your children's lives. The main thing that you can do today, tonight, right now, is make sure that they become one of God's children. And you can do that. You know, some of you have never spent much time with your children on spiritual things. It's been a good time. You've got time now. We used to say, well, I don't have time. That's a lie anymore. We got time right now for a while. We got time to spend with our kids and teach them some things and let them see some things in our lives that will impact them and, and cause them to want to be like that. Would you stand with me home? All of you that are home, I want you to take what I've said here seriously tonight. We all, all of us, have a privilege to live for God. We're His children. Some of you are fearful right now because you don't know what the future is. You're fearful about losing your jobs. And I feel this. I've, I feel the heartbeat of the church today. And I, I, I've been praying about this. I don't want us to live in fear. Some of you have been attacked by fear. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I lose my job? What if I lose this? And we let worry and fear come into our lives and, and we start allowing it to dominate our thinking. But you've got to remember who you belong to. You're going to have to remember whose you are. You're a child of God. I do know, I'm smart enough to know this. I've lived long enough that I know that good things happen to bad people. I do know that every one of us are going to die. I'm 70 years old. If anybody knows it, I know it. I'm living on borrowed time. God only promised me 70 years. In the Bible, that's what it meant. Three score and ten, that's 20, 20, 20, and ten is 70. That's how old I is. <laughs> and so all of us can fear. We can fear our health. We can fear our life. We can feel, uh, fear our future. But remember this fact. If God is your Father, if God does love you like we love our children, not many of us would not do anything for our children. And I'm going to tell you, God feels the same way about you. 
He knows where we are. And if you will not panic and make him only a 911 God, and you'll start spending some quality time with him and really communicate to him and love him, God's going to be there for you. God's going to help you to come through this and can even pour out blessings on you during this time if you'll believe that. Now, if you turn to fear and you start worrying about everything and you just let it overcome you, you're probably not going to get God's help. God's not going to be too excited about helping somebody that don't really act like one of his children. Because if he's really the father and I'm really one of his children, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And I'm telling you, if I'll get serious about trusting God and calling on him and believing him, I don't have to worry. God will show up and show out when I need him to. And I want you to believe that, church. I want every one of you that are listening tonight to not allow the spirit of fear to get a hold of us. Let the Spirit of God get a hold of us. Let the Spirit of our Father get a hold of us. Let the Spirit of love get a hold of us. I feel passionate about this today. I've, I've been thinking on this all day. And the whole gist of this today is that we would trust our Father. We would believe in Him. God bless you tonight. Father, I love you so much. I pray that you would touch every one of our church members, God. I pray that you would be there for them. I pray, oh Lord, that you would give them good help, protect them from this virus, protect their jobs, their income, Lord. Protect them, provide their needs, their finances, and their food for their body. I'm asking God that you would be there for them. You're our Father, and I will trust you. And I pray that you'll move on the hearts of every one of our members, God, that they will listen to you. Hear what I'm saying today. We're God's children. And he loves us very much. God bless you.